Hey Future Unnaturalists, I'm Emily. And I'm Andy. And we are the hosts of Unnatural, a true crime podcast. Each week, we'll dive into some of the most unnerving crimes that this unnatural world has to offer. Listen for Unnatural on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, make good choices. And don't get got. Bye. I'm back, bitches. I'm Dee Dee West, and this is Broken Limelight. I told you I'd be right back. So now that I've given you an overview of Dan Schneider, let's jump right into Amanda Bynes' story. As you may have heard, Amanda Bynes has not been doing too well lately. She's had some legal troubles and public outbursts over the past decade or so, but a lot of people aren't aware of how how her childhood may have contributed to her behavior as an adult. And it's kind of fucked up. So I want to really break down what happened to Amanda, how she went from this funny, charming, charismatic, hilarious young lady to the manic woman who kind of had a mental breakdown and ended up in a conservatorship. Among other things, it's very possible that Dan Schneider may have had something to do with Amanda's breakdown. Amanda Bynes was born April 3rd, 1986 to Lynn and Rick Bynes. Her father, Rick, tried to make it in comedy, but it didn't really work out. Amanda was really into fashion growing up, but she had a real knack for comedy, so Rick encouraged it. She was a total natural. She started doing hilarious impressions of celebrities, and so she started acting when she was just seven years old, doing commercials for Barbies and Nestle candy bars and things like that. And then she eventually moved on to a comedy camp in Los Angeles, where she was discovered and asked to join the cast of All That. This was a huge deal. This was huge. Amanda Bynes was the youngest actress on the show, and this show often led to the actors getting a spin-off of their own. Amanda pulled in a huge fan base, but there were times where people, specifically adults, would make comments in passing about her appearance. Like, for example, there was an article, I believe, in a magazine where she was called puffy-faced, and Amanda really started to internalize these comments from an early age and became self-conscious. Nevertheless, Amanda was slaying business-wise, so she was given her own show, The Amanda Show, at age 12. Again, this show included cast members like Drake Bell, Josh Peck, and Taryn Killam, who, by the way, has done a lot of other shows, like he was Gary Blauman in How I Met Your Mother, among other fun roles. I hate Gary Blauman. Anyway, Taryn Killam is like four years older than Amanda Bynes, which isn't much now, But when she's 13 and he's 17, and they eventually start dating when they're 15 and 19, I don't think that's okay. I think somebody should have put a stop to that. He played Spalding, by the way. Um, If you recall, The Amanda Show had a skit called Moody's Point, which I think was supposed to be like a parody of, like, Dawson's Creek. So Spalding was a character who was in love with Moody. It's interesting now knowing that he was actually four years older than her at the time. There is an extra who allegedly worked on The Amanda Show but chooses to remain anonymous. One of the things that she said was that Amanda and Dan Schneider were weirdly close. For example, Dan Schneider would walk up behind Amanda and hold her from behind 
like as if she was like his girlfriend or something when she was literally like 12 or 13 years old. And her parents were actually present on set and just allowed it to happen, just kind of allowing her to suffer through it. Amanda did say that he was like a father figure to her, but I, I think this is all really weird now in retrospect. She gets her own show and now he's coming up and hugging her from behind. Like, what's, what is he seeking here, you know? He also gets started playing lots of small roles in the show, like um, just a couple of instances that are a little weird where like when they're in the hot tub and she interviews the characters from her show and it would often be a grown man like Dan Schneider in the hot tub with her. As of her teenage years, we know that Amanda was not getting along with her parents. It's said that her father was really controlling and um, pressured her a lot about her work. And she said her parents were strict. And apparently, Amanda Bynes started spending a lot of time at the home of Dan Schneider and his wife, Lillian. Lillian has openly said that Amanda was spending a lot of time with us, but she never left her family's home, as in she never moved out which is a weird thing to say. Like, okay, Lillian, I, I wasn't wondering if she was planning to live with you, but now I am. Eventually, Amanda Bynes actually seeks to file for emancipation from her parents, meaning she wants to basically have her own rights so that she doesn't need a guardian to make decisions for her. And now in retrospect, I'm wondering if that was something that maybe Dan and Lillian kind of convinced her to do or if that was something that she did so that she could move out and go live with Dan and Lillian. Again, just theories. If you listen to the last episode about Dan Schneider, um, you might recall that I mentioned a scene in the behind-the-scenes footage on the Amanda Show DVDs, where Amanda's kind of sitting next to Dan with her head on his shoulder, and she kind of looks like she's sleepy, like on drugs. I had actually read in some sources that Amanda was given Adderall on the set of Amanda Bynes, or on the set of the Amanda Show, supposedly to keep her hyper, maybe to keep her working, keeping her with a lot of energy. Um, and there are some interviews where you can watch where people have speculated that she seems like maybe she's on Adderall or something because she's all hyped up. As we know, especially if you've listened to this podcast, historically, actors are given pet pills. They're given pills to keep them hyped up and keep them working long hours and keep their energy up. But it, it's just kind of heartbreaking thinking back. And if you look back at her shows and she's 12, 13, 14, and she's already hyper. She's already hilarious, you know? But it's just something that I feel like it's it's in the back of my mind. And um, anyway, I mention this because, like other actors, she ends up becoming dependent on pills. By the third season of The Amanda Show, Amanda decided that it was time to leave it behind, as she didn't want to be a Nickelodeon kid until the age of 30. After that, she did her first big film role, which was Big Fat Liar, co-starring with Frankie Muniz. Interestingly, Lindsay Lohan was originally cast for that role, but she ended up dropping out due to scheduling conflicts. Amanda Bynes and Lindsay Lohan were about the same age, and they kind of ended up competing for a lot of the same roles. Around this time, Amanda's agent, her manager, and her attorney were all fired by her parents. Her father said, People change representation all the time. We just didn't need any at the time, so we decided not to have any. So we just got rid of everybody. This was when Amanda went to her reps and said that she wanted to be emancipated. Her parents found out they were absolutely livid. There was all this drama, and ultimately, they didn't allow it to happen. So Amanda did not file for emancipation at the end of the day. 
So Amanda left the Amanda show, started hanging out with Dan and his wife a lot, tried to file for emancipation, and her parents were like, nope, not going to happen. So then, since Amanda wanted to leave Nickelodeon behind and, and play roles that were not so childish, Dan Schneider and his company Schneider's Bakery went and created a whole nother show for her called What I Like About You. And in this show, Amanda Bynes would star as an older teen, young adult character. Dan only worked on that show for two seasons, and then he left, and then he and Amanda seemingly never worked together again. It's kind of strange after all of these years of working so closely together, and, like, her spending all this time with him, and now ever since then, Amanda does not talk about him kindly. And we'll get into that, but it just seems like maybe something happened around 2004 to make them part ways. And then, Dan went back to Nickelodeon that year to work on Drake and Josh. So this is another thing that I don't have evidence of. There is a website called Crazy Days and Nights, which was created by a Hollywood lawyer. So this, this lawyer is supposedly an entertainment lawyer who has connections and contact with a lot of celebrities. They go by NT Lawyer, and basically over the years what they've done is they release blind items, which is like, they'll release like quotes or something, like information that they receive via email or something, and they would just not release like the name of the person. So they released some information that they later ended up revealing to have been from Amanda Bynes. And this might answer some of our questions. So when Dan Schneider got released from Nickelodeon in 2018, so allegedly Amanda Bynes emailed NT Lawyer, and this is what this is what this letter said. I don't know how any of these men sleep at night, but if there's one thing I do know, it's what's done in the dark always comes to light. So what's interesting about this note is the capitalization. She has capitalized certain letters in these words that end up spelling out the words, Dan did it. It continues, After the second incident, I don't know if I'll ever be able to have children or have the family of my dreams. So we don't know what that means exactly, but people have speculated that Dan Schneider may have impregnated Amanda Bynes, leading her to have to have an abortion and no longer able to have children. That's what makes me wonder if he's done this before, because now with Jamie Lynn Spears, people are super quick to be like, oh shit, was it Dan? Did Dan knock her up? So I wonder if he's done it before. In 2005, Amanda filmed a movie called Love Wrecked in the Dominican Republic. When she got home, she was really, really sick, just like, completely tired, and she had lost a ton of weight. It turned out that she had mononucleosis, and she dropped down to 100 pounds. Although she was at a dangerously low weight, her mother told her that she never looked better. Going forward, Amanda started to fixate on her weight and on getting back down to 100 pounds. It took her a while, but she did eventually realize that that was unreasonable and unhealthy. Although she did continue to struggle with her body image. In 2006, Amanda was in the movie She's the Man, and basically she plays a girl who tries to dress up as her brother and convince people that she's actually her brother. So she's dressed like a boy in this entire movie, and people were commenting on like, oh my god, that's amazing, You what a transformation, you did a great job. Well, Amanda fucking hated that. I mean... She saw herself on screen playing this boy, and it gave her this, like, severe body dysmorphia. She fell into a deep, deep depression after this movie. 
she called this an out-of-body experience and fell into a deep, deep depression. She just absolutely hated the way she looked as a boy. And to be honest, I think I can understand that. For, for any girl to have issues about her appearance, it probably hurts to find out how convincingly you can play a boy. And it really messed with her head. She was also constantly referred to as a funny girl. Like, she was never really called pretty. She wasn't really sought out like one of the pretty teen girls. And she grew up competing for roles against actresses like Lindsay Lohan and Hilary Duff, who were the same age and had the same demographic. But as they were getting older, they were successfully moving on to more mature roles. They were the girl-next-door type. And in comparison, Amanda wasn't really thought of for the same roles. Like, she was getting typecasted. She was always playing a quirky girl who was up to some crazy antics. I mean, movie after movie, that's, she was basically doing the same thing. She often compared herself to other actresses like Lindsay Lohan. And for some perspective, by 2007, Lindsay Lohan was already doing movies like Mean Girls and I Know Who Killed Me, and she was becoming recognized for her sex appeal. As inappropriate as it might have been, to Amanda, this was like not helping with her self-consciousness. So she started to compare herself to all of them, and she would say things like, I'm not getting this role, I'm not getting that role, I'm not getting the Lindsay Lohan roles. Also by 2007, Lindsay and Amanda were both 21 years old, and Lindsay Lohan was having all kinds of legal issues, and she was pretty much a fixture in the tabloids for her drunk driving and her going to rehab and her alcoholism. And Amanda wasn't there yet. She was kind of a beacon of hope along with Hillary Duff when Hillary Duff was out being, or I'm sorry, when Lindsay Lohan and like Paris Hilton and those girls were out being the bad girls and like all over the news for it. Let me go through my little checklist here. You haven't been to jail? <laughs> no. No jail? Not, no, uh, re- not yet. Rehab? No. No rehab. Amanda Bynes, what kind of a starlet are you? I know. What's wrong with me? I don't know. It's, it's shocking how it, it's become popular to go to rehab, right? Amanda would say that she hated every single film that she was in because she hated seeing herself. But she did enjoy working on Hairspray because she got to have a lot of fun with all these huge stars like Queen Latifah and Michelle Pfeiffer and Zac Efron and the so on. John Travolta, Christopher Walken. One day on set, she was reading a trashy magazine and she read an article about Adderall being effective for weight loss. So she went to a doctor and she feigned symptoms of ADHD and she got herself a prescription. 2007 was also when Amanda decided to follow her passion and launch her own clothing line. She did this with Stephen Barry. Unfortunately, it wasn't successful. On June 19, 2010, Amanda Bynes announced on Twitter that she was retiring, stating, Being an actress isn't as fun as it may seem. If I don't love something anymore, I stop doing it. I don't love acting anymore, so I've stopped doing it. I know 24 is a young age to retire, but you heard it here first. About a month later, in July 2010, she tweeted, I've unretired, followed by a trailer for the movie Easy A. Again, Amanda said she hated seeing herself in this film, which really breaks my heart because I thought she was so pretty in that movie. This was the first movie where she wasn't the same kind of quirky girl. And she was actually, like, she was wearing makeup. Not that that's the point, but she just, she looks grown up. Like, it was the first time she was allowed to look feminine. I just hate that she didn't like seeing herself in it. And this was pretty much the last movie she 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 actually did. The last one that anybody would see her in anyway. And this is kind of the point in time where Amanda starts acting kind of kind of strange. Amanda Vines was actually supposed to be in the movie Hall Pass but had to drop out of the film and was replaced. 
Here was finally a grown-up role just like she wanted, but unfortunately she was having a lot of problems on set, where she started acting erratic and paranoid, and they were struggling to get any usable footage of her. Amanda later revealed that her Adderall usage was getting out of hand, and she was struggling to even speak clearly. At the time, though, she claimed that her departure was due to scheduling conflicts. By the way, Alexandra Daddario, the girl who, who took her place, did move on to get some pretty big roles. Amanda was kind of out of the spotlight for a bit, but she soon started having some pretty concerning public outbursts. 2010 was when her strange tweeting really began. It was like manic oversharing. Like, all the thoughts she had in her head, even the thoughts that you're like, you would never let anybody hear them out loud, she started tweeting all those thoughts. Okay, so I'm going to read off this, what do you call it, when somebody tweets a bunch of times? Anyway, let me read this. If you have to force someone to do anything, you are in the wrong. Forcing someone to like you when it is obvious they don't like you is considered unattractive in my mind. Feel my pain. If you don't like someone, regardless of who they are, you have every right to be rude to them. I'm so rude. I only follow people I find beautiful. It goes against my religion to follow an ugly person. That's why I feel pretty. If only you could block people in person. That'd be so tight. Adolf Hitler tricked the Germans into believing that Jews were less than the Germans and that they should be segregated and then killed. But Germans who feel that Adolf Hitler was incorrect aren't guilty in my book. Beauty is truth. Feel my pain. And it got worse. And sometimes it was kind of funny, but like, oof, in the kind of way that afterwards you're like, oh, girl, I f girl. So you guys might remember this one. I want Drake to murder my vagina. And this went back and forth, because Drake was ugly, Drake was beautiful, Drake was gay, Drake was... <laughs> I need to have surgery to look beautiful for the man I'm in love with so I feel comfortable with the way I look when we get married. I'm in love with someone else who I do not follow on Twitter, who is the most gorgeous man I know, but Drake comes in second. Drake is the most gorgeous man on the face of the earth. I want a million dollars a year for illegally having my mind read and privacy stolen. Yeah, it gets... it's weird. And then it gets not so funny. She tagged Rihanna and said, Rihanna, you look so ugly trying to be white. Rihanna, Chris Brown beat you because you're not pretty enough. Rihanna, no one wants to be your lover, so you call everyone and their mother that. I almost named my new dog Rihanna. And then Rihanna <laughs> responded, You see what happens when they cancel intervention? And Amanda Bynes retweeted, Unlike your fugly face self, I don't do drugs. You need the intervention, dog. I met your ugly face in person. You aren't pretty, you know it. Imagine having this argument with Rihanna. In retrospect, we really should have been more concerned about her tweets, but in reality, what it did was make her the center of jokes. She was mocked and she was called crazy. In March of 2012, Amanda Bynes was pulled over for talking on her cell phone while driving and she drove off before the officer was able to give her a ticket. Just a month later, she was driving at 3 in the morning and tried to pass a car and ended up, ended up sideswiping it. One source I read said that the car she clipped was a BMW, but another source said that it was actually a police car. In any case, she ended up being pulled over. After refusing to take a breathalyzer test, she was arrested for a DUI. Later that month, she was arrested again for hitting a car and fleeing the scene. And later that same year, she was arrested in connection with two hit-and-run incidents. She ended up racking up seven accidents that year. 
After the first one, she tweeted, Hey, Barack Obama, I don't drink. Please fire the cop who arrested me. I also don't hit and run. The end. And she pleaded not guilty to the charge. Some have speculated that Amanda might have intentionally been getting herself in trouble, like Lindsay Lohan, so that she could get more adult roles. That's probably not true, but sadly, turning into a party animal and doing things like getting DUIs is kind of a rite of passage for child actors. After the second hit and run, Amanda had her driver's license revoked. And then she was pulled over for driving after her license was revoked. Amanda actually said that she thought it was a joke, like she didn't really think that driver's license really got revoked like that. And then Lindsay Lohan tweeted, Why did I get put in jail and a Nickelodeon star has no punishment so far? In September of 2012, Amanda was attending a 50-minute spin class and she was acting bizarrely. She suddenly stopped participating in the class and aimlessly walked around looking to switch bikes. Once she found a replacement, which was closer to the room's gigantic mirror, Amanda apparently started cycling again, but then removed her top, revealing a tiny little strapless push-up bra. After a while, Amanda stopped cycling again to pick up her Louis Vuitton purse and start reapplying her makeup. And she did her whole face of makeup right there in her spin class. She put on her lipstick, her eyeliner, everything for 10 full minutes before the instructor got furious and told her to get out. He couldn't believe somebody was actually doing their makeup in the middle of his spin class. So Amanda left the room and the class continued without her. I don't know about you, but to me, this is really speaking to her body dysmorphia. She's got like such a weird fixation on ugliness and beauty. Not long after that, Amanda went to a cupcake shop in Soho and locked herself in a bathroom for over 30 minutes. So she was at the cupcake shop for like an hour, hour and a half, and she bought a cupcake and then she took a bathroom break, which was long enough that one of the bakery's patrons, coincidentally a New York City firefighter, became concerned. So he knocked on the bathroom door numerous times and called for her, and the firefighter thought that maybe she was unconscious. So the store turned down its music and closed its doors as they tried to, like, ease her out of the bathroom. The firefighter spent 15 minutes trying to convince her to come out. Finally, he called the police and asked them if he had their okay to break down the door. And that's when Amanda finally got out and said, Excuse me, I was doing my makeup. Later that month, Amanda's agent, publicist, and lawyer all reportedly dropped her within a matter of weeks of each other after they just couldn't reach her. They said she was a dream client for years, but she had become difficult to work with recently. Then Amanda started making big changes to her appearance, like shaving off all of her hair and getting cheek piercings. She also started announcing that she was going to sue different magazines and blogs for misrepresenting her and calling her mentally ill and demanded that they use only photos of her from her Twitter account. I'm not sure exactly why she shaved her head. I did read something about her like over bleaching it and damaging it. And then she started wearing these crazy wigs, like full-on Phil Spector style, except Phil Spector had a good wig collection. <laughs> in May of 2013, Amanda did an exclusive interview with In Touch magazine, where she said again that she doesn't drink because she's allergic to alcohol and also doesn't smoke pot. But then like three weeks later, a photographer from the same magazine visited her apartment and he documented weed all over the place, like all over the bed and all over the floor. He said that she would smoke a joint halfway, put it out, light up a new one, put it out, and then go back and finish the first one. He said that her house was a total mess, she slept on a bare mattress, and her windows had been painted black. In July 2013, the police were called to Amanda's apartment building because she was allegedly smoking marijuana in the lobby. 
When they arrived, she was back in her apartment, which was just emanating this odor of pot. So an officer knocked on her door, and when she opened it, he saw a bong on her kitchen counter. The officer said, When I asked the defendant about said bong, and while wearing full police uniform, I observed the defendant grab said bong, run to the westbound facing window, and throw it out the window where numerous pedestrians were walking on the 8th Avenue and West 47th Street sidewalks below. Amanda was like, it was just the vase. The officers never ended up finding the bong, though. I guess they looked all over for it with a flashlight, and they literally don't understand where it went. Just a couple weeks after the bong incident, Amanda got in trouble again when she started a fire in her neighbor's driveway. This doesn't make a lot of sense, but for some reason, she started the fire using a gas can, and she accidentally caught her pants on fire, as well as her dog, a little Pomeranian. So neighbors came out and started trying to extinguish the fire and asking her if she needed help, and she just took her dog and fled the scene. She ran to a nearby liquor store, and she went into this area that was, like, employees only, so that she could rinse off her dog in this little sink. When the employees tried to question her, she ran off again. Passersby recognized her and asked her if she needed help, but she just kept fleeing. She called a cab and she tried to get in, but somebody, like, stopped her trying to be like, are you okay? And they called the police and the police were able to locate her, and they ended up taking her in and placing her on a 5150 psychiatric hold, meaning that she had to be held for observation for 72 hours. Amanda never gave a coherent explanation of this. But after this hold, she was put into the conservatorship of her parents. It was just temporary, though. According to her parents, Amanda had been experiencing extremely erratic behavior, including feelings of paranoia over being watched and followed. Amanda went to rehab for six months and her conservatorship ended, and what followed was an even darker period on Twitter. Amanda started tweeting, My dad was verbally and physically abusive to me as a child. I need to tell the truth about my dad. He called me ugly as a child and then asked me if I wanted to have sex with him, and I did not know how to respond, and I said no. And then I was forced to live with my dad, which was a total nightmare. My dad fondled himself in front of me so many times that I started recording him on my phone in hopes of catching him saying or doing something inappropriate around me so I could get him arrested and put in jail for the rest of his perverted life. My mom knows that my father is literally and physically incestual to, towards his own daughter, and the fact that she never called the police on him embarrasses me to no end. So today I am meeting with a lawyer to get a restraining order against my dad. I cannot hear the sound of his incestually charged voice ever again, and I'm just being honest. I will not be manipulated or brainwashed by anyone anymore. So let me live my own free life of unhappiness and misery. So call me what you want, but please do not call me crazy or insane because that's a joke. Amanda's parents and her siblings publicly said that the allegations were completely false and they don't know why she would fabricate things like that. Her parents then flew out to her to try to convince her to check into a, a mental health facility, but she tried to flee the city to avoid them. And then she kind of backtracked. She recanted her previous statements. At least officially, people say that she recanted, but I don't know. This does not sound convincing to me. Uh, listen for yourself. She tweeted the next day, my dad never did any of those things. The microchip in my brain made me say those things, but he's the one that ordered them to microchip me. Soon after that, her mother was given conservatorship again. So just to address all those things about her father real quick, I don't know if they're true or not. What I believe is that her father was strict and controlling and maybe did pressure her 
a lot of people speculate that when she says her father, she's actually referring to her father figure, Dan Schneider, who she's referred to Dan Schneider as being like a second father to her many, many times. Clearly, she's having some sort of dissociation from reality here. About a month later, Amanda admitted on Twitter to being diagnosed bipolar and manic depressive. Her tweets became more sporadic, pretty much just selfies and an announcement that she was planning to attend the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandise in L.A., and by March of 2015, she wasn't tweeting at all. There is another account, I can't remember if it's on Twitter or on Instagram, I think it might be Instagram, under the name Ashley Banks, and this person may be Amanda Bynes. If you want more information, I recommend that you watch Sloan's videos on YouTube, that's SL04N. He really deep-dived into the into this a lot more than I did, but it's believed that while Amanda was in her conservatorship, that maybe she was using this private account to make her tweets or posts or whatever. In 2018, Amanda Bynes stated that she had been sober for four years with the help of her parents. She also apologized for what she said on Twitter during the years of her substance abuse, saying, I'm really ashamed and embarrassed with the things I said. I can't turn back time, but if I could, I would. And I'm sorry to whoever I hurt and whoever I lied about, because it truly eats away at me. In another interview, Amanda stated that during her days of substance abuse, she would often experiment with cocaine and MDMA, but the drug she abused the most was Adderall. And of course, using marijuana at the same time has its own effects. In February 2022, Amanda Bynes filed to end her conservatorship. She believes her condition is improved and protection of the court is no longer necessary. The conservatorship was officially terminated on March 22, 2022. Her parents and legal team all agreed with Amanda's decision to end the conservatorship. They released this joint statement. We're all excited and we're all anxiously looking forward to Amanda living a life as a private and normal citizen. Miss Bynes' parents have both been very supportive throughout the entire conservatorship and have helped her work towards a positive transition into the real world, which was the goal from the beginning of the legal arrangement. Miss Bynes has done very well in a very short period of time. Now she's able to live on her own independently and free of the conservatorship. Besides normalcy as a person and student, I know that she's looking forward to what her next step is going to be. Now, there's a lot of stuff in the news, in the media that's about Amanda, and I think, as you know, a lot of times it's one-sided or it's geared towards one direction or it just doesn't tell the full story. So I highly recommend, if you're interested in this story, to look at Amanda's Twitter accounts and her Instagram and her YouTube videos because she has been speaking out, um, especially about her conservatorship. Over the years, remember when I said she had um, changed her appearance a lot? Well, she got a heart-shaped tattoo on her face under her eye, and since then she has decided to have it removed. So she has um, started the process of laser removal. Um, she also got, remember, I think I mentioned she got her cheeks pierced, She's just gone through a lot of changes over the years, and I think it speaks a lot to her body dysmorphia and her um, sense of identity. And I think a lot of times when you're a child actor, it's hard to find your sense of identity. There was an interview I watched with Amanda where she was kind of saying how she plays a hundred different versions of herself. And I've heard other child actors have similar experiences. I have a whole lot of, of, of opinions on stage parents and um, um, child actors and how I think they should be a little bit more shielded, but we will talk about that another day. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, this whole thing with the conservatorship with Amanda Bynes is really confusing to me because it's it's coming to light now because of uh, Britney Spears' just ended, which is amazing. Um, 
some of the things that are weird are like, okay, in hi- historically, people in conservatorships don't typically work. You're in a conservatorship because you're not financially responsible. So therefore, if you're able to work, you should be responsible for your money. You know what I mean? So that was one of the big, biggest abuses with Britney Spears is that she was forced to work. She was forced to work and work and work her ass off and yet wasn't responsible for any of her money. Amanda's case is different. Amanda's not working. Amanda might not be able to work, you know. But here's my thing. How many people do you know? And and maybe you don't, but there are people out there who are schizophrenic, who, I don't know, can't have a job, can't make responsible decisions. How often are they put into conservatorships? How often is somebody else put in charge of their assets, their estate? I, I just... Is that, how is that fair? You know what I mean? Unless it's the situation, like, as if you could grant power of attorney, like, as if, like, when you can in a medical instance, I just don't understand how you can just do this to a regular person. You know, you can just take a grown adult's rights. She's not in a mental institution. You know what I mean? She's free. So, like, where, where is that line where we can just decide that a person is not allowed to be in charge of their own assets? You know what I mean? But again, that's my, that's just my opinion. And I mean, by all means, enlighten me. Send me an email. Like, if you're going to be kind, you know, um, because I would love to explain this to other people that are on the same boat as I am. Anyway, don't come at me. I'm trying here. So with all that said about Amanda, let me get into a little bit more connections I found between her and Dan Schneider's. So this is interesting, but difficult to confirm. There are people who have come forward and told their own stories about Dan Schneider or of having witnessed Dan Schneider being inappropriate towards Amanda or other child actors, but these people will only speak anonymously. And it seems like a lot of these people got blacklisted, and maybe that's why. I don't know. Again, hard to confirm. I feel like I owe it to you to share it anyway, and, you know, you do your own digging if you prefer. So, for one, this was um, Obscure Nick. Obscure Nick was the Twitter user that I had told you about in the last episode. Obscure Nick has exposed a lot and spoken to a lot of uh, supposed victims. According to Obscure Nick and his sources, these were some things that were asked of the young girls at auditions. Females had to wear spaghetti straps and open-toed shoes, and Dan preferred pigtails on the female actresses. This source had a role in the show Unfabulous and worked as Amanda's assistant. She said that the actresses were encouraged to go to this, like, graduation party that was all girls and no parents, but her parents wouldn't allow her to go alone. They insisted and they pushed that it was a requirement to go alone and meet the producer. They also said that they were told it was a no-shoe party and they were asked if it was okay for the actress to have her feet photographed. Yet another actor who had worked as an extra for The Amanda Show stated that Dan offered $100 to... um bit well to tickle her feet (laughs) it was something like dan said something like hey are you ticklish are your feet ticklish and she was like no and dan was like i'll bet you a hundred dollars i can i can make you ticklish and tickle your feet and the girl was like and then basically he just like massaged my feet for like 20 minutes and i was given a hundred dollars so you see what i'm saying how like yeah of course like we don't know if these things are true. We don't know who's saying these things, but it's so strange that there is a pattern. And at the same time, it's not that strange that these people can't come forward and that they have to be anonymous. But I guess we'll just never know. Well, that's it for now. Like I said, this was just tidbits, 
please, please, by all means, dive deeper. Check out Sloan on YouTube, SL04N. Sloan was like the best source I found. And Sloan has a lot of other, like, a lot of other playlists for other celebrities that like I'm getting ready to deep dive into. Thank you so, so much again for coming back and listening. I know I've been gone forever, but you guys, it's been a year. We've, I've been doing this for a year. Happy Broken Limelight birthday. Once again, I appreciate your support. Don't forget, you can go on brokenlimelight.com and there you can find an almost complete transcript of this episode as well as all my sources listed, a bunch of photos and video clips, some interviews, things like that so you can just kind of dig a little deeper into this. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to leave me a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or wherever the heck you're listening. You can also just leave me a review on brokenlimelight.com. If you have any extra opinions or theories or anything you'd just like to express to me about this, anything you'd like played on the show even, I might play I might play a voice clip of you on the show, you can feel free to send me an email at ddwest at brokenlimelight.com. I'd love to hear from you. All right, guys. Court dismissed. Bring in the dancing lobsters. know my dogs jude and eleanor rigby well we just started getting in bark box and i'm telling you your dogs will love you no more are they angry at the mailman no more i say it's like a box of dog joy that's delivered every month and each box tells a different story with different themed toys treats and photo worthy props typically what we get in each box is a couple of toys a couple of treats and a chew but you can actually tailor fit your box to fit your dog's needs guys i'm telling you your dogs will love you even more than they already do so try it out, and if you use my link, you'll get a free extra month of BarkBox, which is a $35 value. So just head to BarkBox.com slash Broken Limelight and get started on your first BarkBox today. BarkBox, 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 BarkBox. <laughs> Nailed it, Jude.